This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Well, good morning. We're going to uh, turn in our Bibles to Joshua chapter 7 we're gonna, as uh, we get ready for our tithe and offering. And uh, I want to uh, take this moment to really share how important this space of worship is to God. I know that there, are, I remember when I first started in the ministry, this was a, a space of awkwardness in my life until I really understood how important it was in hearing God's voice. If you were to say, well, Pastor Ron, what do you really want? If you were to say, if there was one thing that would be a desire for everyone that you ever come encounter with, whether it's in the church or whether it's outside the church, what would be the one thing you'd want for them? I'd want you to hear God's voice. Because, you know, if you can hear God's voice, then you should be able, and you should obey God's voice. Now, I mean, I can't make you obey, I can't make you hear, but it would be my passion that you would begin to learn how to hear God's voice. And so God created a, a, a worship, he created church, he created these elements inside the church to do that, exactly that, hear his voice. In fact, we're gonna have communion today, and communion is a space where you get to understand what Jesus did and how thankful that you should be, which helps you, because thanksgiving, remembering what God did, helps you hear God's voice. Worshiping, as we just began the whole service, we began to praise God, and your praise and your worship helps you hear God's voice. Giving does the same thing. The Bible says very clearly, it says we're, uh, you know, we're a man's heart, so is, you know, basically what you give to, your treasure is, there's your heart also. So what you give to is what you treasure. I treasure my kids, my, my grandkids. I treasure my wife. So if you're going to look at where I give a lot, is obviously to them. But I really, really treasure the Lord in my life. Uh, recently, my wife and I just sold uh, um, a, a business. And so I couldn't wait for the opportunity to give. It wasn't just the, the point. It's just my wife and I right away got together. This was this week. The first thing that we're doing is going to give because we want to put God first. Well, in Joshua chapter 7, the uh, scripture verses up in, on the screen, verse 10 and 11, we find this moment where God is trying to help us understand first things first. First things first. And what it is, is Joshua, if you read the book of Joshua, Joshua is in a space of a journey, taking a million plus people with him in a wilderness that's all about a promised land. That's kind of like, if you think about a marriage, you get married and it's like a wilderness and you're supposed to take it into a promised land. Raising your children, it feels like a wilderness, taking it into a promised land. God wants you always to go from the wilderness to a promised land. That was the whole point of the exodus, that they didn't get it right. They didn't trust God for the promises. And now here we have in a restart with Joshua, we're going into a promised land. And so they win this city Jericho. We, we learned that in Joshua chapter six. Huge battle, impossible odds. No way can we get this done. It's, no way it can happen. And yet with God, all things are 
possible. And God says, I want first. I want to be first. So God wants to be first in your life, always. That's why giving should be first in your life. That's why worshiping God is first. In your marriage, God is, I mean, you you guys get the point. He's always first. And so we learn when God's not first, well, then all of a sudden bad things happen. In fact, the next city that what had happened is this next city was Ai. And there were a bunch of mountain people, a bunch of hillbillies up there. And you thought, man, if we just won this battle, there's no way in the world we can't win the next one because the next one is just a breeze. And they underestimate what, how important it is to give God first. And you maybe have heard, maybe you've heard the, the, the name Aiken, or maybe you've even used it in slang, oh, my Aiken, you know, back, or my Aiken toe, or my, it, many of us use the word Aiken. Well, there's a guy named Aiken who didn't put God first. He took from Jericho what belonged to God. And I think many times we don't really understand how important it is what this belong. everything belongs to God, amen? Whether you know it, it all belongs to God. And what happened is God goes, look, I just want to be first. I'll let you have all the rest and I want you to do great things with it. I got a great journey for you, but you need to put me, well, I got just a couple of you over there. We're gonna do this. You need to put God first in Joshua chapter seven, verse 10. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. So we realize that God has things that happen in our life that he wants to have set apart unto him. Your worship, your love, your giving, your service. These things are supposed to be set apart from God to God, and he needs to be first in it, and what happens is Joshua does it, he gets caught up, and many of us lose, maybe we lose a battle in life, Joshua just lost a battle, and all of a sudden we, you know, we, we get all of a sudden that victim mentality, it ain't never going to work, it's never going to work out for me, I can't, and, and, and I love, I wish I could do this so much, but God does it obviously with the Spirit of God, he goes, get up. Because God didn't call any of us to be victimized. He called us all to be victored. Can, I, can anybody get an amen? We're all, but thanks be to God who always leads us into victory. Victory isn't automatic. It's not a hot now thing. It's not a McDonald's drive through Victory is a journey. And if the journey is, and we're going to get, I don't want to get into my message, it's about surrendering and obeying and receiving. So today, I'm thankful for the opportunity to ask you to give to your Lord. I have no idea what you give. I don't take record of it. That's between you and God. But I, am, I feel honored for the, the, uh, the space where I can ask of you to worship God and put him first in your life. This is an area where you should be prompted to give. This is an area where you should obey God in giving. And you'll find the freedom in doing so. Because we're not, you know what, let me just tell you something. This is between you and the Lord. And we're going to keep that that way. But I'll tell you, I will wish you'd hear God's voice. And this is an area that God's created so that you can. Amen? And one of the things he'll do, he'll talk to you about serving. He'll talk to you about your marriage. He'll talk to you about your children. He'll talk to you about your finances. He'll talk to you about your health. Big question is, are we listening? Father, thank you for the opportunity to serve you in giving. Thank you for a place, God, where we can get up 
Not be victimed, but be victory with you. Thanks be to God that always leads us in this space with you. God, you're leading us in this area. You led Joshua in that place. Thank you, Father, for showing us history that, Lord, you want to repeat again and again through our lives. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed in your giving. Um, There are three ways to do that, and there's a mailbox in the back that you can give to, also that you can give online, or you can even text to give. Well, today we're going to be talking about this second message in a series about obeying those promptings. Obeying those promptings. You You know, another way we could say it is being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. If we are led by God, we're going to do things that are so unique and so different They're going to be something that changes lives around you, changes your personal life. But it's important for us not only to, like we talked about last week, surrendering, it's also important for us to obey. Because when God gives those promptings, where all of a sudden you'll be prompted to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you have a choice you can obey it or you can suppress it. Or God maybe gives you that prompting to, to come to church. You can either obey it or suppress it. Or maybe God's given you the prompting to call somebody, encourage them. You can obey it or you can suppress it. You kind of get, get the message here. And so we're going to read a couple passages I want to have for you that kind of go with this whole message series. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. So we keep on praying for you. Asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. So this isn't just a pastor on with a good idea, teaching a influential message. This is sharing what the word of God has in your life. Your faith inside of you, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is going to prompt you to do things. So, and we also realize it says they pray, which means if, the only reason somebody needs prayer is because there's going to be spiritual resistance to it. So there's going to be spiritual resistance. That spiritual resistance could even be you, or it could be the enemy, could be someone close to you, could be a whole bunch of things. But the point of it is, is here we find in Paul, it says, pray for us, pray for them so that they are empowered to do whatever their faith prompts them to do. The next passage I want to share with you is Hebrews 11 verse 6. We talked about again this last week. But without faith, which trust, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that God is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now one of the chapters that I really love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I really sense the Lord just prompted me, I didn't give this in the first service, so I'm going to give it in the second service, because somebody in this service doesn't believe that God can do great things in their life because of their past. Maybe there's more of you than just one, but I know there's some one person in this service right now that looks at their past and allows, and then what happens is, is the, the devil himself tells them a lie that God can't do anything great in their life because of what history they've had. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this, love does not take a record of a wrong. The record player that you have in your head right now is very different than God's. 
God doesn't play that song. The song that God plays is that Jesus died for you, all things are possible to him who believes, and that God has a new thing that he wants to do through your life. You're a new creation. Can anybody say amen? So that's the song, but see, the thing is, is that you will do what you believe and what's caught up in your crazy thought life. So it's imperative that your thought life match God's thoughts. Why did God say in Isaiah, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, why don't we change our thoughts to his thoughts and watch us become a, from a victim to a, a victor? I don't know who that is, but I guarantee you that there's at least one person that needed to hear God doesn't have a record player in his head of, you know what, going on with what you've done wrong. Because he loves you. He loves you. Genesis chapter 6, we're going to talk about a character. I love, usually the way I teach is I, I, I teach a principle and then I bring a character in the Bible or I ask God to give me a character in the Bible that really exemplifies this principle. The principle we're talking about today about prompting is obedience. Everybody say obedience. And you know, I don't know of a, of a character. I mean, Jesus obviously, he, he fits everyone. Amen. But I'm going to use another one. His, his name is Noah. And you know what, I'm hopefully today, you know, that you don't just kind of glaze over because maybe you've heard about the story of Noah, you know, because you went to kids' church. Or maybe you've heard about it from grandma and grandpa or mom and dad or, or maybe you watched it, the, the, something on TV that tries to, you know, teach a little bit about the Noah story. Please don't, always, please don't go to the TV to try to find truth, amen? Or, you know, or the internet. But anyway, the point of it is, is you have all these thoughts of what you had. So please do not glaze over because I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit has a different picture of history today to share with you. And then it's imperative that you get it. Because if I could have a go-away point, it would be this, that Noah wasn't alone in his obedience. That you're not supposed to be alone in your obedience. That God always places people in your path to help you do the impossible. And that you need encouragement just like anybody else. The Bible says that we're supposed to stir one another up. The Bible says that we're supposed to encourage the brethren. And so we find Noah, because if you read Genesis chapter 6, and many of us will read a chapter in the Bible, and we'll take it autonomously like it's all alone. But you can't do that in the Word of God because there's history and there's a story behind the story. That's what a parable is, right? It's a story with a hidden meaning. Well, here, you know, I want to hopefully we can open up this hidden meaning. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 6. And then we're going to kind of uh, share kind of the, 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 the storyline or the history behind Genesis chapter 6, all right? Genesis 6, verse 6. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, 
is full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, which means it's 450 foot long. 50 cubits wide, that means it's 75 feet wide. 30 cubits high, 45 feet high. Make a roof, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit, three feet high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle of the upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life underneath. Every creature that has breath on life in it, everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant, my promise, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons, your wife, your sons, your, your sons' wives, and you, you are going to bring into the ark two of all the living creatures, male, female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food, that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we look at this and go, what an impossible task. But God, that's who you are. I pray that, Lord, many of us, not all of us, Lord, face those moments, probably not as grave or as large as this, but Lord, those places where it just feels too big, that where we get ourselves under and we just don't know where to turn. God, I know that Noah went through those moments. But Lord, I pray that you would unveil by your spirit the impression, the anointing, the Holy Spirit that kept Noah hammering those nails, putting all of that sash, putting all of that uh, literally keeping and building a 450-foot ship in the midst of a desert. God, teach us your ways, how to obey those things in front of us so that, Lord, as we, as, Lord, your power helps us to do the impossible. Other in the world, our kids, our marriages, our church family, our community will see you through our obedience. And we ask for your assistance. We ask for your Holy Spirit guidance in the, in, as we unfold this historical moment. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, before we break apart the story, again, three things I've kind of uh, made this series about. And before I get into that, Mother's Day is next week. So moms, we got a special Sunday for you. You don't want to... Moms, you don't want to miss it. So if you know some mothers that are really looking for just a, a place to be lifted and encouraged, please bring them, amen? Join us next week for Mother's Day. So we'll, our, our next, in this message series, we'll, we'll move into the following week. Uh, May 22 is our celebration service where we're gonna have baptism, we're gonna have child dedication, we're gonna have communion, we're gonna have a great service, which moves me into the space of what this message is all about, is impartation. What we're gonna learn today is that Noah wasn't alone and that great grandpa had a moment in Noah's life. And grandpa had 
a moment in Noah's life. And that dad had a moment in Noah's life. So many of us don't really realize that Genesis chapter 5, the chapter before chapter 6, God gives this chronological timeline, and you could look, some of you, like me sometimes, you glaze over, and this guy begat that guy, and that guy begat that guy, and I'm just, I, just, I just begat myself out of the story. But what you don't realize is inspired of God, and for a moment like this, you realize that there's something that God is saying. Something that God's doing, which means that in May 22nd, if you're going to dedicate your child, realize this, that God wants to bring an impartation inside your kid and inside your family. Or if you're getting baptized, that God wants to do something special inside, wants to bring an impartation. And we as a church family are here to do that very thing. So let's talk about Noah. Okay, great grandpa all right so the first the father of father of noah is lamech and i'll get to that in a minute and then lamech's dad is methuselah and methuselah dad is enoch now maybe that doesn't mean anything to you but you can read genesis chapter 5 and it'll start meaning a lot to you now back in the day of noah in that time what had happened is, is that god was speaking to a people in a different way different way God has talked to us sometimes through prophets. Sometimes God has spoken to us. And like in this day, God has spoken to through conscience. And it was a really bad scenario. And in this situation, God, before the flood, they call it the dispensation of conscience. Everybody's kind of just left to their own and to follow their conscience. And it's the worst dispensation that's ever happened on planet Earth. And it says that every man's heart and woman's heart was bent intently on evil. And during this time period, you know, that they had lived a long time. They had lived a long time. So I know that some of us look at it and go, well, how could people live to, in fact, the oldest person, Methuselah, lived 969 years. In fact, we find out Enoch didn't even have a child until he's 65. We think, well, that's old. We'll wait till the next one is 187. So we're living in a different time. So if you try to get your mind around what God was doing, stop. Because you can't. You're not going to get your mind around that time. But what you can do is get your heart around it. God loves people. And during that time, and just like every other time on planet Earth, God's love is trying to connect with people. And in this time, what's going on is people are very disconnected. And God is asking Noah to do the impossible. He's asking him to build a 450-foot boat on dry land. And then God says, I'm going to bring judgment on this world. And what's going to happen is it's going to rain. It has never rained on planet Earth ever. So God is telling him what's going to happen, yet it's never happened. So all of you that go by your experience, well, you better struggle with obeying God. Because God is asking of him to do something that is huge. Now I want to share with you that God doesn't put stuff on us that's unfair. You see, what Pastor Juan, it seems like it's really unfair. How could he ask Noah to do it? Because let me tell you, he was the object of ridicule. And, and, And it didn't take a couple days to build this thing. 100 years. 
Noah started this when he's 500 and was done when he was 600. Can you imagine building something for 100 years and you are the object of ridicule? I would have a hard time with 100 days. I can't even imagine 100 years. Yet the Bible says that Noah rose up and was a righteous man, which means he knew that God, he was in standing with God, and this is exactly what God wanted him to do. How in the world, where did he get that assurance? Where did he get this strength? Well, now let's go back to his ancestry. Great grandpa, Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch, at 65 years old, had a child named Methuselah. Methuselah, name means that judgment will come or a or when he dies, it will be weaponized. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd name my child that. <laughs> but Enoch walked with God, and he followed the promptings that God said, this is what God wants to name him, Methuselah. And then the Bible says for the next 300 years, God, Enoch walked with God. I believe that there was a prompting, there was a moment, there was a space where God spoke right into Enoch's life and said, look, I am going to bring judgment upon this land. You're going to name your child Methuselah. When he dies, it's coming. And from that moment forward, Enoch says, you know what? I feel great and close to God, but I'm not even going to get closer. Now, Methuselah carries on this. So what is Methuselah doing for the next 300 years? He's walking with dad. He's having prayer meetings with dad. He's having worship meetings with dad. He's watching the altar time with dad. He is just having, I mean, he's, it's not just Enoch walking with God. It's now Methuselah and Enoch walking with God. All right? And we're going to get to Lamech in just a minute. So what happens is, is we're having this place where Methuselah understands the presence of God so deeply, and all of a sudden, 365, and God doesn't make mistakes. How many days in the year? 365. At 365, God goes, you're out of here. Enoch is translated, bye-bye. What do you think is going on with Methuselah? Oh, by the way, Lamech's around 180 years old now. He's been walking with him too. What do you think's going on in Lamech, which is Enoch's grandson? And what do you think is going on with Methuselah and Lamech? What is going on all the time? They're all walking and they're feeling the presence of God and they know that something's coming. They don't know when it's coming. Gosh, doesn't that sound a lot like us? We don't know when it's coming, but we know it's coming. We don't know when his second coming is coming, but we know it's coming. And what we find in this story, the Bible says, as in the days of Noah, so should it be. So we don't know when it's coming, but what we should learn is, from history it says, that those who knew something was coming, even though they didn't know the hour, they were close to God. By the way, I think we should know what Lamech's name means. It means to be brought low. So we realize, like last week's message about surrender we know that Enoch's grandson means, in short, if we're going to give it one word, it's called humility. How can we get close to God? The Bible says, God, the, the, what does God do for the humble? They get closer to God, more grace. How do you get farther away from God? More pride. So what happens is, is Lamech, whose name means 
humble, to be brought low. What is, how did Lamech live that out? Well, for about, 100, you know, about 170, 180 years, give or take, he's hanging out with grandpa. And grandpa, what is grandpa doing? Well, grandpa's walking with God. And what, as he's walking with God, he's talking to his son, Methuselah. Hey, it's coming. It's coming. Remember what your name means? And then Methuselah's talking to Lamech. He says, hey, it's coming. It's coming. And so well, what do we got to do, Dad? What do we got to do, Grandpa? We got to just get close to God. That's all God's told us to do is to walk with him. And we got to encourage our great-grandson Noah to do the impossible, build that ark. Because, by the way, they're all alive. Lamech's alive. Dad, Lamech's alive, encouraging. And we see Methuselah, he's still alive, encouraging. And Methuselah's talking, man, I remember. You know what, you know what Noah? Great grandpa. He knew this was coming. He gave me my name. And by the way, he said this is coming. He says, you got to keep building that ark. You got to keep getting drawn closer to God. You got to get this right. You got to get in God's presence. And then Lamech being brought low, he says, how do we do that, Grandpa? We get down on our knees, and we get close. We get in that space of surrender. What happened through this whole historical message, and the Holy Spirit just showed me, he goes, Noah wasn't alone. Oh, and by the way, you talk about even more unique, is that Lamech died before his dad, Methuselah, five years before the flood. Five years before the flood, Lamech passes away. Grandpa's still alive. I guarantee you that those last five years, I guarantee you that Noah was even more stirred up. You know, if you had waited, if you're in your 90, 900, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're in your 95th year of building this ark. You're saying, I've been hearing this a long time, Grandpa. You've been saying it's coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> Grandpa, I'm not sure you were right. I'm not really, I'm kind of getting an unsurety. And all of a sudden, Dad dies. But Grandpa's still alive. 964 years old. Noah is at this point, he's 500 years old. Five, well, actually, he's, he's 595 years old at the time. And he's stirred up to obey. He's following through with his obedience. Brothers and sisters, I think the biggest thing we have in our problem with the church today, in following Christians today, we are not encouraging each other like Enoch, like Methuselah, like Lamech, and like Noah. Noah didn't come by that on his own. He had an impartation inside of his life. If May 22, if we could just get a portion of the space of that thinking in us, that I'm not alone. I'm not raising these kids alone. I'm not in this marriage alone. I'm not doing this. Late. Friday, we did a marriage, one of our first marriage retreats here, and we had 40 five marriages here. And you know what? And all of us came at from different ages and different history and whatever, but what was, we laughed, we cried, we had communion together, we learned about, you know, we're all different and God put hope inside and there was a space of impartation at the tables. We had church on a Friday night and it was a blast. And we're going to do it again, and we're going to do it again, and we're going to do it again. The point I'm trying to make is, is we can't get enough 
of what we can learn from Genesis 5 and 6 here. If the Bible's true, which it is, and we're coming into the end of the ages, and the Bible tells us to consider that time, then we should be just like Enoch, just like Methuselah, just like Lamech, pressing in to the presence of God. In a few more minutes, we're going to be doing that exact thing at communion and our worship service. Um, it's so important for all of us to see and recognize how to obey. But now I want to break this out into a, a couple little things, if I could, in our, um, in our teaching. Number three, God will ask you to obey the small things before the big ask. You know, um, I can think of those times where when I first got saved, I can remember God asking me to raise my hands and worship. And I was so self-conscious. I thought everybody in the whole sanctuary was looking at me, and it was a big test. And my, hand, my arms felt like 150 pounds. I'm like, really? But God goes, obey me. The Bible says, you know what? Worship him with lifted hands. But I, I just I struggled with it. So God asked me to do that. It was a small ask, but to me it felt big. And then I obeyed him in that. And then God had me do the same thing with giving. And then God asked me to give this and my tithe. And then all of a sudden God began to ask me to ask for bigger things, give. And I obeyed him in that. And I'm here to share with you. In fact, I, I've just met a, a sister in Christ. God, she, she asked God, says, God, I want to give a house away. Did you hear me? She wants to give a house away. And so this sister in Christ, I get to be a part of her life. And she's not, you know, here in this church right now. But she wants to give a house. I mean, tell me that God, I mean, God has prompted. She's elderly now. God has worked through her whole life into this whole journey of her walk. And she's been through the loss of her children. She's been through the loss of other things. I mean, she has gone through a life that's had a lot of battle scars. And yet her heart, like Enoch, like Methuselah, like Lamech, like, like Noah, is strong with God and wants to end so strong with Jesus. I had the opportunity, I've only had two times to be in her presence physically and um, what a blessing it is. She feels like she's really kind of like, you know, but for me coming over to her house, she feels like she's really being a, you know, well, I'm taking time away from you, Pastor. And it's always such an honor. You know, I'll just tell you a funny story. Um, last week we went there and uh, I was prompted, just like prompted to go be with her again. And helping her with her decision of what God's prompting her to do, to obey. And uh, I really don't know what to say. I don't really know what to do. But I got some thoughts and ideas. And, you know, and, and we get there and, and um, she'd share, hey, you know, um, I think that uh, my house has a sewer line broke. You know, and I, I hear a lot of times people, I, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm a builder, so I kind of understand these things. And I'm not smelling anything. And so me and another brother and sister in the Lord, we, we, brother in the Lord, actually, we went downstairs to check it. And I'm seeing a little moisture and a little dampness around the floor, and it's an older house, and you know what I'm seeing? So I, but I'm not smelling anything that really bad, like a, a sewer. And uh, so I asked Brenda, I said, hey, my wife, you know, flush the toilet. So she flushes the toilet. 
stuff was spraying everywhere. I'm like, stop, stop. You know what I mean? Because it's getting on me and everything else, you know. And, and uh, so I went, man, we can't leave her like this. So my, my friend, he went to go get his tools. And I went to go to Home Depot and buy some things. We had to cut the sewer line so that we could get her, because she can't be in these fumes. And so we had to do that, you know, this last week. And, you know, I'm being Pastor Pooh. And uh, so, <laughs> so I don't, you know, and so anyway, um, I get over there and I had no idea it was backed up. You guys know what that means, right? That that line is full of you know what. So I grab a grinder wheel and, you know, carbide thing. It's all over. And then my friend grabs his sawzall to finish the job. He's getting it all over himself, you know. And, and so I'm, I'm laughing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, laughter's a medicine. I need to be medicated right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, but at the end of the day, she, you know, she felt, you know, really awkward and stuff. Can I just tell you something? The whole thing was still led by God. Because we wouldn't have been there to fix it if I hadn't been led to help her with a decision. And we landed up fixing this other, you know, things that God was prompting us to do. God works things together all for the good. And if there's one thing that my sister felt, she goes, pastor loves me. And I will go through any, Jesus went through way worse than things I did to show his love. You know, and if that's what it takes to go show love, that, you know, ha, you know ha, have it. Not every day, Lord. But anyway, <laughs> but have it. And I think so many times we're, we don't really realize that, well, that's not God. And we discount those little things because God's pointing us and intersecting us with his big things. If you keep suppressing the little ask that God asks you, you're never going to see the big thing God wants to do in you. If you keep saying no to the phone call of encouragement, you keep saying no to the service that God wants you to do, if you keep saying no to the giving, keep saying no to the, you know, to communion or, or really everything that God has for your life, you're never going to see the big things. Now, I'm going to tell you something, God never, that love doesn't never change. But God is wanting you to open up your heart to fully know him and fully develop with him. For obeying God will go against the grain of life. Obeying God will go against forgiving those that have wronged you. Obey God. Forgive. Give. He'll give back. God will give back. Love those who hate you. It's easy to love people that love you. But God says love those who hate you. Say all manner of evil against you. Pray for those who abuse you. I bet you in this room right now, there's many people that have been abused by parental roles. And God says, pray for them. You say, well, pastor, I'm not praying for them. I can't believe you. You have any idea how miserable things that you have. You're not listening. It's not me asking, it's God. And the reason God does that is so that your heart can hear his voice. And right now, all you can hear is the pain. You need to forgive to get rid of the pain. You need to pray so you can get rid of the pain. God is wanting you to hear his voice and he's teaching us his way so that we can hear it. And so many people don't hear his voice because they're so full of all the wrongs this world has led them in. Number five, God is training you to follow his voice and promptings. Your trust or obedience is eternally 
important. Eternally important. You know that God wants you to be priests and kings in the next life? Do you know the Bible says you're going to judge angels? I'm not saying that. God says that. God's asking you right now to obey his voice so that you're ready for those really hard things to do in our eternal purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to close in this verse. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He's a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey in God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our own very nature, we are subject to God's anger, but just like everyone else, God is so good, so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with him. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he's done. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for your good things we've done so none of us can boast for we are God's masterpiece. Do you feel like God's masterpiece? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he prepared and planted, planned for us long ago. Point number six talks about really quick is just obeying the promptings. Jesus obeyed all those promptings. You go, well, that was Jesus. Yep, and, and his scripture says, my work is finished. You can read between the lines. That means your work begins. God is asking you, prompting you to believe that he is wanting to work inside of you. That he wants to speak to you, that he wants to lead you, that there are things inside of your life and through your life, not only are they going to bring life change to you, but they're going to bring life change to others around you. Jesus says, my work is finished. The only person I've ever seen in the Bible that's ever said that is Paul. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned to death. He was beaten with rods. He was imprisoned. And then he goes, my work is finished. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, I don't know about anybody in this room, but I think if all of us came to God and put all of our works together, it doesn't even come to a shadow of what God did through Paul. Which, what I'm really trying to say is, God has a lot of work to do, and he wants to do it through you. Did you hear me? God has a lot of work to do, and he wants to do it through you. And he doesn't want you to do it through your good works or your mental, you know, your, your, your mental hopes. He wants to do it through the Spirit of God and you obeying those promptings. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I thank you for your presence here in this house of worship today. I thank you for your teaching. I thank you that, Lord, showing us how Noah was a righteous man and how great grandpa, how grandpa and how dad had such an impartation. Father, I pray this church could be that. 
that we would be, Lord, together, united in you, that all of us would be doing something unique in you, but all of us would encourage others in that uniqueness. God, I pray against comparisons. God, I pray against lies, those pretenses of the enemy that just try to keep us from everything you've called us to do. And God, I ask right now by your Holy Spirit for more promptings in my life, more promptings in their life. I pray that we would, Lord, learn to follow you just as Jesus followed you. Father, thank you for being a dad in heaven. In a few moments, we're going to commune with you, God, only because of what Jesus has done. Now I want to speak to you with your heads bowed and your eyes shut, or maybe you're watching this on, on live right now. You're not right with God. Your heart just right now feels distant. You feel scared and fearful. God did not make us to come to him with fear, but in faith and hope. And if he's knocking on your heart, there's a longing on the inside, there's an emptiness on your inside of you. That's Jesus by his spirit that wants to fill that space. The Bible says eternity is locked up in every one of our hearts. And that eternity is Jesus Christ. The presence of his love and his hope and his forgiveness and so much more to come inside. You have to invite it in though. You have to obey him and say, I invite you in. So whether you're doing this for the first time or maybe you've done this in times past and you've kind of wandered away and you want to return to him, we pray for you even today. You'd come back to him. I want you to pray this prayer. Make it, make it your prayer. Obey him in your heart, in your will. God, I'm, here I am. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, come on church, Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask for forgiveness. I surrender my life into your hands. And I thank you that you have a great plan. Show me the way. Give me the strength to obey you. Here I am. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand up and worship our King together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.